You're listening to PetLifeRadio.com. And good morning or good afternoon, depending on where you have to be in the country at this very moment. I am your host, Dr. Jeff Werber, here with you for the next 30 minutes on Ask the Vets with Dr. Jeff, the only live show here on Pet Life Radio, live call-in, and that means I want to hear from you. So I'm going to give you a bunch of ways to do that. Number one is to give us a call at 877-385-8882. Once again, 877-385-8882. Number two, you can send me a quick email to drjeff at petliferadio.com, and our producer, Mark, will send that to me ASAP, or you can actually go on, join us on the website, petliferadio.com, click on the Ask the Vets with Dr. Jeff tab, and there you're going to see a box that says join the conversation. That's all you have to do is join in on the conversation. It's that easy. And um, we want to hear from you. As a matter of fact, we are here to help you and uh, with because of our sponsors, and I want to thank them. That's ProSense Pet Products and Kong. As a matter of fact, just by calling in, just by sending me a text, just by joining in the conversation, we will send you out a ProSense pet product for your pet and an amazing Kong toy as well. So you can't lose free advice. My job here, and if you've been listening, I'm trying to make veterinary medicine practical. It has become so specialized, it's become you know, so advanced that people lose sight of the simple things. And you know, a couple of my favorite expressions, if it looks like a duck, walks like a duck, quacks like a duck, it's probably a duck. So stop looking for the darn zebra when it's the duck. Uh, and speaking of zebras, here's another one I love. If you're running along the beach in Malibu and you hear hoofbeats chasing you from behind, what are you thinking? And anyone who lives out here in Malibu might know that it's horses. So why are you looking for zebras? When and I say this to veterinarians all the time, why did you run that test? Why did you do that? Why, what took you on that path? You have even ruled out the most obvious things first. And that's why I'm here to try to get everybody thinking simple. My favorite rule, the KISS rule, keep it simple, stupid. And, uh, and I use it and I say it all the time. So we have been, if you've been paying attention, if you've been listening, I've been going through an entire series of the endocrine systems and all the things that can go wrong from Cushing's disease to Addison's disease, which is one is a hypersecretion of the adrenals. The other one is a hyposecretion of the adrenals. We talked about thyroidism. And again, we have hyperthyroidism, which we see in cats. We have hypothyroidism, which we see in dogs. Then we got to the diabetes mellitus. And again, everything seems to be double. Well, we have two types of those. Diabetes type 2 and diabetes type 1. Type 1 is what we see in dogs. It is the same as the human type 1 juvenile onset diabetes, which is what we call insulin-dependent diabetes. And then we also talked about type 2 diabetes, which is between cats. That's more similar to the human type 2, which is adult-onset diabetes, often associated with obesity. And as we discussed that cats, we tend to feed them inappropriately, pushing too much dry food, too many carbs. Cats are obligate carnivores. They need meat. And too much carbs is, has the same effect on them as humans that are obese has on them. The obesity has on them. And they are prone to type 2 diabetes, which though insulin sometimes is necessary, there are also other ways, depending on the case, depending on the pet, to successfully treat type 2 diabetes. Diet, some oral medications, etc. And we may not need or maybe just start on insulin for a short while, and then gradually wean them off and have them on a non-insulin protocol for type 2 diabetes. Now, there is 
It's also what's confusing, as we discussed, is that many of these conditions present similarly. You know, a hallmark of, for example, Cushing's disease, sometimes even Addison's, but definitely diabetes mellitus, is excessive water drinking, excessive peeing. So when you see these dogs urinating, drinking and urinating and drinking and urinating, or these cats drinking and urinating so frequently, of course, we have to worry about kidney issues. Of course, we have to worry about bladder issues. But also, we can't forget to rule in or rule out the possibility that this could be a Cushing's disease, this could be an Addisonian, this could be a diabetic, etc. Now, there is, just to confuse things, and I'm going to try to keep it simple, stupid, I'm going to try to keep it simple, but there is another diabetes out there, one that is not nearly as common as the diabetes mellitus, which is the sugar diabetes, the insulin-dependent or non-dependent, but where the blood sugar rises off the charts high when it gets past a certain level, which is 250 milligrams uh, per deciliter, then it kind of spills out into the, the urine, and we start seeing signs of glycosuria, which means glucose in the urine, a clear sign that there is probably one of the diabetes mellituses on board, type 1 if it's a dog, type 2 if it's a cat. Now, the other diabetes we see is called diabetes insipidus, and that is, that is the water-drinking diabetes. And that happens where the kidneys are supposed to interact with the body and the blood, and there's usually a signal coming from the brain through a hormone called ADH, antidiuretic hormone, that basically tells the kidneys, whose job it is to filter out all the fluid that we drink. For example, I'm sure none of you have ever gone out and had a few too many beers. I'm sure that's never happened. But if it were to happen, you certainly know that when you get to a certain point, everything that goes in is coming right back out because you are now overhydrated. The kidneys feel they're reading the bodies, the blood, the hydration status of the body and saying, oh my God, we have way too much fluid already. So everything that comes through, we're just going to filter it and urinate it right out. Conversely, for those of us that might do some running or heavy-duty exercise and you're sweating a lot, you're getting a very dehydrated, you know that when you urinate at that time, the urine is very concentrated. It's very yellow and as opposed to being excessively hydrated. Well, with diabetes insipidus, the brain, the body, the kidneys are not reading the signals properly. Either there is a lack of the hormone, the ADH, or the kidneys aren't reading it. They're not responding appropriately to the ADH. So what's happening is that you end up with continuously drinking regardless of the hydration status of the body. It's not being read properly. So everything that comes in goes right back out. In other words, we cannot concentrate the urine appropriately for the needs, the status of the body. And Fortunately, as I said, this doesn't, we don't see it nearly as commonly as some of the other diabetes, but it's certainly something that needs to be evaluated. And it's a problem because, you know, these, these dogs, especially we see this in dogs, are drinking like crazy and they're urinating like crazy, but everything is perfect. The only thing you see on a laboratory work is a isostenic urine, which basically is urine that has the same solute concentration of water. And the kidneys are not able to concentrate. They're not able to dilute. It is just the same. And regardless of how little water they have, the urine is coming out as if they've been drinking water for the last four hours nonstop. But because they're losing so much dilute urine, the body is reading the fact that now we are thirsty 
because it interacts with the thirst center of the brain, and now they are drinking continually to make up for the loss. And it's an annoying condition. Or first of all, it's annoying for any of you that have had dogs with diabetes insipidus because you are, have to walk these dogs very often. And if you don't have a doggy door or if you have like really expensive Berber carpeting, you are going to be one upset pet parent because all you'll be doing is walking every 20 minutes, half hour. I mean, as fast as they drink, it's coming right back out regardless of, as I said, the hydration status of the body. And it gets really frustrating because you, you want to do the right thing. And to make matters even more complicated, because that's what I like to do, is take the complicated and try to make it a little simple. There's another condition that we often see, which we have to rule out when we're trying to make a diagnosis of diabetes insipidus. And that is something we call, and we see this very commonly in puppies, and not even, I don't even mean little teeny puppies. I mean, you know, eight to 10 to 12 month old puppies that they're not quite, they're in that young adult stage, every four to two years of age, and they have what's called psychogenic polydipsia. And this is a case where there is absolutely nothing wrong with the body, nothing wrong with the antidiuretic hormone, nothing wrong with the kidneys, nothing wrong with the brain. Everything is working in concert, in unison. It's perfect. These dogs just like to drink. And they don't have a turnoff switch. So they go to that water bowl because they played for a little while. And instead of drinking, I don't know, a, a cup, they drink a gallon. And they keep drinking and they run over to the water bowl whenever it's full. And they just like to drink. So clearly, let's go back to that original beer scenario. What happens when you are drinking more than your body needs? It all comes out in the urine as very dilute urine. And you're scratching your head and saying, wait a second. That's exactly like diabetes insipidus. They're drinking a ton, and it's coming out straight, clear. Isosteneric urine means that the solute concentration of water is between what we call 1.008 and 1.012, if you want to get a little technical. But the key is, oh, my God, now we have a little bit of a diagnostic challenge, and we have to sort of sift through that challenge because we have to know the difference because it's a tremendous difference in treatment. I mean, one is, is a little behavior modification and starting to ration water. And the other one, oh my God, the other one is a real treatment. It's a condition that we have to deal with. So um, that, as I said, so when it comes to things like that, we have to sit there. You know, I always feel like a good diagnostician is, if you ever watched Dr. House, Gregory House, remember that House MD? That was a show where it really took the art of diagnostics and highlighted the techniques involved. And, and one is you really have to, I say, to be a good diagnostician, you have to get a really thorough history. And that's important. That's why if you've ever been referred to a specialist, whether it's a dermatologist, whether it's a behavior specialist, whatever the case may be, one of the most important things that you are going to spend so much time initially getting that thorough history, because that is going to help rule in a lot of possibilities. But it's also going to rule out probably more than it's going to rule in where you're going to say it can't be that because if it were, then the dog would be doing X, Y, Z. And since he's not doing X, Y, Z, it's not that. So the goal here is to reason, to think, to analyze, and then to choose the appropriate test to help you come up with diagnosis. And, and as I say, and this is my soapbox, you don't feel, and your veterinarian shouldn't feel, that they have to do all the tests in one day, unless, of course, you're faced with an emergency situation and you need to rule everything out now. But most of these conditions are not emergencies. Your pet's been living with them for weeks, for months. The extra two, three days is not going to make a difference. And you want to approach them by getting a thorough history and doing your work. So having said that, we're time for a quick little break. When we come back, we are going to talk about some diagnostics involved and treatment 
of how to tell, do we have a psychogenic polydipsia? Do we have diabetes insipidus as opposed to diabetes mellitus? And let's get some answers for you and let's figure out how to treat it. Don't go away. We'll be right back here on Pet Life Radio's Ask the Vets with Dr. Jeff. And I'm Dr. Jeff Werber. Don't go away. We'll be right back right after these messages. Stay tuned. I'm home. My hair looks cute. Now what? Bringing home a puppy or new dog is exciting, and he's depending on you to keep him in good health. Dogs need special care to keep them healthy as they grow throughout their entire life. Caring for their health is critical in all stages. With ProSense, it's simple and convenient to give your dog the care it needs with effective and quality products that treat, prevent, and provide essential daily vitamins and minerals. ProSense products are veterinary formulated and recommended to ensure the very best for your pet. Try ProSense today. Your dog will thank you for it. Pets love life. Love them back with ProSense. There's nothing more delicious and healthy than an old family recipe. And for over 50 years, our family's been creating them especially for your pets. Nutrisource Super Premium Pet Foods. Dog and cat food that's all natural, holistic, and organic. Nutrisource Pet Foods contain our patented Good for Life system for your pet's optimum health and well-being. So order now. Safe quality food made by our family for your furry family members. Go to NutrisourcePetFoods.com. From our family to yours, KLM Family Brands. Calling all pet product manufacturers and pet experts. Let the public relations and marketing professionals at Whitegate PR get you featured in the news. I'm Dana Humphrey at Whitegate PR, and we have been specializing in pet product PR for over 10 years and can get your brand featured in the media from TV to radio to print to blogs. You can find out more at www.whitegatepr.com. Hey there, pet parents. This is Christy Vaughn, host of The Doggy Dish. Do you love your furry companion? Do you love making him or her healthy treats but can't seem to find the time? Great news. The Doggy Dish is the perfect show for you. Every episode is chock full of healthy and easy recipes that are made with ingredients you most likely have on hand. Tune into The Doggy Dish for yummy and healthy recipes for your canine kids. Every week, only on PetLifeRadio.com. Let's talk pets. Let's talk pets. On Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio. PetLifeRadio.com. And welcome back. You are here live with Dr. Jeff Werber. Your host for the next uh, oh, 10 or 12 minutes or so here on Pet Life Radio. Ask the Vets with Dr. Jeff. Before the break, we were sifting through uh, a new kind of diabetes for some of you. It's called diabetes insipidus. It's the water diabetes where the body is not correctly talking to its each and other parts, the kidneys, the brain, uh, the blood, the, the hydration status, etc. And these dogs, typically dogs that have this disease, will just continually drink and drink and drink. The urine uh, is always coming out very dilute. And the fault may be a number of things. It could be either the lack of antidiuretic hormone coming from the brain or the lack of receptors in the kidney that the ADH is there. So what's happening is everything that comes in is going straight back out. And these animals are always therefore thirsty and they continually drink. And every time they drink, they urinate more. And clearly you can see the vicious cycle. So we need to make a diagnosis. 
in a number of ways. There is the old-fashioned way, which I still like doing, as a matter of fact, is called a water deprivation study. And that is on the following premise. If you have a dog, for example, as I mentioned before the break, with psychogenic polydipsia, or a dog who just for some reason likes to drink or is drinking more than it really should, but everything is working properly, think about it. What would happen if we mechanically, physically remove the water from this dog? Well, what's going to happen is that the urine will start to concentrate because nothing was wrong. The only thing, the only problem there was that they were drinking too much. So you physically stop them from drinking too much. And within a few days, the urine will start concentrating. Everything's normal. And then you're going to scratch your head. You go, oh, perfect. This is not DI. It's not diabetes insipidus. It's psychogenic. We're just going to have to start monitoring our dog's water intake. Now, what would happen to a dog, however, that has true diabetes insipidus, where there's a, either a lack of the antidiuretic hormone, the ADH, or there is a problem with the kidney, not with the receptors, not evaluating how much ADH is there. It's not responding to the ADH is there. So what's going to happen is that even though you withhold water, the kidneys are still going to be creating dilute isostenuric urine. So there we have a problem because there we have to provide the ADH in one form or another. And that's where we have some options to, you know, to use there. So let's to make it simple that when you start withholding water initially, and if you do it abruptly from a dog that has been urinating excessively because the, water, the urine is very concentrated, you can suffer what's called for a while medullary washout. So that is that there, nothing is working in the kidneys, even though everything is fine, but they're so washed out because of all the dilute urine, the dilute fluid that's going through, that it takes several days. Again, so even though it's going to work, if you just automatically, like the night before the test, withhold water and do what's called the 24-hour water deprivation, having had these dogs drinking so much, even psychogenic polydipsia, it may still show the next day that the dog is still urinating, very dilute urine. And you might think, oh my God, then this dog must truly have diabetes insipidus and start treating. But that's inappropriate because what we have to do is to, in order to avoid this concept, this potential for medullary washout, we need to start withholding water and measuring water and only giving your dog the amount of water it should have, and you work that out with your veterinarian, for several days before the beginning of the actual 24-hour. Now, when we get to that point, we do a few things. We continually, it's done in the hospital, and we are our stopping point for this test to determine whether this is a psychogenic problem or true diabetes insipidus, one of two things. Either the urine starts to concentrate, we typically say above 1020, 1.020 or even 1025. Then we know that the kidneys are working fine, the ADH is working fine, they're reading the ADH, everything is perfect, this dog just likes to drink. Or you've gone so long that the dog has lost 10% of its body weight, meaning if it's a 25-pound dog, if it loses two and a half pounds and the urine is still dilute, meaning the dog is not concentrated even after that, and this, is, this could be before the 24 hours, this could be at, at hour seven or eight or 10, then you stop the test because now you're looking at dangerous dehydration and you can therefore pretty safely assume that yes, your dog has diabetes insipidus. Now with the advent of a newer medication, what a lot of docs are doing is saying this, and, and it's, again, it's a, it's a great way. It's actually easier. It's expensive because the stuff we have to use is very expensive, and that is getting a product. It's actually really 
meant to be used as a nose drop in people. It's a spray, and it's something called desmopressin. And what we do is you have to get it. As I said, it's very costly. And you have your veterinarian. You have to open it because it's got those one of those sealed like aluminum rings around it. It's very hard to get in there because it's one of those like pump spray things, you know, for nose. And we undo it. We put it in a little Yorker, a little bottle with, with or like an eye drop bottle. And you can put like a drop in the eye once a day. And it's really cool. It's so easy to use. And it works beautifully if, in fact, your dog has diabetes insipidus. I want you to think for a second. How, with this amazing drug, how might it still not work? All right. Well, I'm going to do this. This is the Jeopardy question. Dun, dun, dun. Okay. Right. Anyway, well, here's the thing. If the problem is, which it normally is, the issue in the case of diabetes insipidus has to do with the amount of antidiuretic hormone coming from the brain, then the glands that do all this, then what's going to happen is the body is going to respond beautifully, all right? There's a whole cascade of events where the brain, as I said, signals the, the glands and they spit out the ADH, the kidneys respond, and you end up with a concentrated urine. What happens, however, if the problem is not the amount of antidiuretic hormone that's being secreted from the glands, but rather the kidney's receptors responding to the ADH, then you have a different problem because now it's not the ADH that's the problem. It's the kidneys aren't working. So we're still not going to have a response if even with this chemical, this medication going in the eye drops because what's happening is the kidneys are the problem. They're not responding. And that's just a, that's a whole different ballgame, one that is a lot more of a, a challenge because there's really no way to turn these receptors. Well, I, I never say never, but not a simple way or a, a clearly used technique, easily used technique to turn these receptors on. So it just means that we're going to have to live with the excessive water drinking and you have to let them drink and let them urinate because there's really no way to, to get to the bottom of it. So again, psychogenic polydipsia, you withhold water appropriately and to avoid medullary washout, you do your test over several days, you minimize the water intake based on just their body weight, then you do the 24-hour, they are going to respond, done deal, now you know for treatment, all you need to do is control their water intake. Diabetes insipidus, the more common one, which is an antidiuretic hormone issue, we make the diagnosis. Either they did not concentrate at all or they lost uh, 10% of their body weight during the test. Then you know it's time to have to treat with the desmopressin, which is the probably the best way to go. It's a little expensive, but very worth it. It's an eye drop. You alternate, we recommend alternating eyes. It gets absorbed. It provides the impetus to the kidneys as the ADH, the antidiuretic hormone, and these animals do just fine. And lastly, we have the type of diabetes insipidus where the not reading the antidiuretic hormone. And these are ones that you really are not easily controllable because the problem is you, it, there's no way really to turn on these receptors. They're either not functioning. Why this happens, we're not sure. I still would recommend you have to go through the test anyway, but that's one you're going to see your veterinarian. Your veterinarian might send you to a board-certified veterinary internist, someone who works with the endocrine system, the hormones, the kidneys, it's, and might be able to make some suggestions to help you out. So if you have any questions about this, I want to hear from you. If you send us an email, tell us about a problem your pet's been having, especially with, remember, there's a lot, excessive water drinking, excessive urinating. As you know now, it covers a wide range of possibilities. And our challenge is to make the diagnosis appropriately, to differentiate between all of them and make the right call for you. 
And again, there's complications along the way because a lot of times we see older dogs that have concurrently Cushing's and diabetes mellitus. Boy, that makes it tough for us. So send us a question. You can get a hold of me at drjeff, drjeff at petliferadio.com. And we will have to answer. Once again, I want to thank our sponsors, ProSense Pet Products and Kong. And we will be here next week. I think we're going to, I want to start a whole series on eyes. So, um, so we're going to talk a lot about eye problems. Uh, if any of your pets have had them, uh, what they are, how many there are. There are quite a few to, t- to think about. So we'll get started and next week. The week after that, I'll be coming to you live from Orlando, Florida. Again, Dr. Danny McVitie will be my co-host. And we're going to probably talk about some really high-tech stuff in veterinary medicine and just some basics about what you should be looking for in your veterinary. Have a great week. See you next week. Let's Talk Pets, every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com.